This is FX Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. We're at the 6th Bioceuticals Research Symposium and I'm here with Helen Patteron, with Dr. Elisa Song and Dr. Lila Mason. Now, we're going to be talking about something that we, it's so ubiquitous, guts. We hear it every day. Everybody's got the best way of treating it. But one of the pervasive things that, we, that is a real concern in our community, indeed our whole world, is what's happening to our kids' guts. I think I might start off with you, Elisa. <laughs> what do you think is the root cause or the root problem of our kids' guts? The, the microbiota, the microbiome, yeah. the wellness, what's happening? Well, I think, I think most kids today are not starting off life with a healthy gut microbiome right. because their mothers don't have a healthy gut microbiome. So I think they're starting off life with sort of, um, you know, one foot out the door already in terms of their immune regulation. And then the factors now that really start in infancy from, you know, infant colic and reflux being treated just, you know, kind yeah. of um, right off the bat with antacid medications and antibiotics given so freely. We have, and stress, emotional stress of the mom, you know, if mom's cortisol levels are elevated and she's passing all of this kind of fight or flight response to her baby, then babies are also gonna have elevated cortisol levels and be more fussy and have alterations in their gut microbiome. And then, of course, you know, feeding our kids, too. You know, many parents, I mean, parents want the best for their kids, uh, and they want to feed them the best, but sometimes they just don't know and they don't realize that the foods that they're feeding them are actually triggering and perpetuating this inflammation. So, you know, it's really our modern lifestyle. Right? I mean, yeah, it's how it we're living today. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to tell anyone go back to the dark ages, but we need to then understand if we're going to live in this modern lifestyle um, and be happy and thrive, we need to know what forces to try to mitigate. And I, I think that's one of the big things is where do you start? What's your target? If you can't change it, what effect are you going to have? So where do you choose? Where do you target your therapy on things that you can change? So. I start with food, right? And that's where Helen can speak the, the probably the most eloquently. <laughs> um, but food, right? Food is a foundation. Food is medicine. Um, and we want to think about food as nourishment, right? How are we going to nourish this child's body, brain, immune system, hormones with the right foods? Um, we want to think of really only the highest quality ingredients that we're putting into our kids' bodies. And I talk to parents about, you know, most of us would never think but to put the premium gasoline in our cars. We want to think about your kid's body as the most precious commodity that you have and really invest in the highest quality ingredients and the most kind of diverse array of phytonutrients and, you know, wild organic meats and, um, you know, healthy fats in your diet. So I would prioritize food. Now that's going to be hard for many kids, right, who are eating the standard American diet right now and eating maybe five foods total, <laughs> you know, every week, right? But we start with baby steps. And, you know, as I mentioned in one of the workshops, we, I don't ever like to focus on what kids can't eat, right? I like to focus on what they can eat. And you just start slowly expanding what they can eat, right, Sorry. and try. I'm right? just thinking about you go, can I have this fast fried, you know, French fried? <laughs> You can have this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also about balance too, right? When our kids are sick, 
what I tell parents, when, when our kids are sick, this is the time to really buckle down, right? And yeah. be really strict on this elimination diet. Yeah. But once you're well, it's, you know, the 80-20 rule, the 90-10 rule, right? It's what we do most of the time that matters. And negotiate the heck yeah. out of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, Helen, Helen, you wanna... so, Helen, you're a real expert about getting back to basics. Indeed, you've written a book, Getting Back to Basics, specifically on that. What are the key messages that I think we've lost in our modern day society that you do to bring people back to helping to balance their, not just their microbiota, but their behaviours, their lifestyle, and then of course their diet? Yeah, well, I think we're all mirroring each other's messages a sure. great deal. And, it, and we've seen that in the lectures as well, where we're looking at all these different disorders that are going on and whether it's for children or for adults, it keeps coming back to what's going on with the gut. And as Elisa just so eloquently uh, described, it really does come back to food. So first and foremost, we need that nourishing food that we're building all of our cells, our hormones, our neurotransmitters. We're building our bodies out of them. So we want to be building them with good materials. We want to be able to clear out the waste products from that building process as well and from the environment that we're exposed to. So we not only need the building blocks, but we need the substrates required for those detox processes too. So this is where food is so important because it can both nourish and cleanse us or it can deplete us and, and make us more toxic. Yeah. So um, getting back to food and getting a lot more vegetables in, I think, is uh, key too because regardless of what people's dietary philosophies are, one of the biggest problems across the board is that people don't eat enough veggies. Yep. Yeah. Which is why I love Terry Wall's message and it's why I do an online program about simply focusing on getting the nine cups of veggies a day in. They can eat whatever else they want. It's that whole thing of focus on what to bring in rather than what to eliminate and bring some colour and some joy and some life back into it because otherwise this wellness or health journey can often seem so laboured and exhausting and always a challenge. So, yeah, I think bringing some adventure back into it is important as well, especially for kids, but yeah. adults too, for that matter, because yeah. we get far too serious. <laughs> <laughs> right, I love your message about this, this sort of simple, you know, I, I say back to basics, but um, you said a word earlier, I can't remember what it was. Leave it with me, I'm gonna. <laughs> um, you said a word earlier and it was poignant because it's, oh, that's right, the substrates. Um, we all think about, oh, we need these substrates in our bodies, but we've lost this connect to that substrate came into our body at some point. That's you know? right, yeah, we need to bring it in first. And it, those foods and substrates are not just feeding us, but they are also affecting our microbiome. So if there's too much of a particular substrate, yeah. our bugs are going to overgrow Take to protect bit. us from yeah. that, but cause problems of their own. So this is where it comes down to looking at the terrain rather than just focusing on the bugs. They're there for a reason. Good message. Layla, sorry, I keep on saying Layla. Layla, you deal with a lot of sick kids. We were talking about making it fun for kids and bringing back the joy. But a lot of the time they're in the white food um, regimen how do you elicit a change, a snap decision to go, let's go this way from day one? 
What's your biggest hurdle and how do you achieve success? Well, I think a lot of children who only eat white food, and many of the kids I see do, they eat kind of a combination of gluten and dairy for every single meal yeah. in different combinations, you know, wheat bakes and, and milk and then bread and cheese, pizza and cheese, pasta and cheese. So most of those kids will be zinc deficient. And when you don't have enough zinc, your taste buds don't work well and you may have also sensory problems. So just getting the zinc up in these kids will help with that. But then it's also a habit, and you have to change the habit. It takes a while, and I tell kids and their parents, it takes 17 times of trying a new food before you can actually decide whether you like it or not, because all kids will spit it out the first time. And, you know, so if I tell them it's 17 times, they get 17 chances of actually getting to enjoy a food. Yep. And they will eventually enjoy a healthy diet. I've never seen a child who, after six months or a year, will still eat only white foods. They will eat a variety of vegetables. And the parents look back and think, I never thought this would be possible. But it is. So I think um, just offering them the healthy foods with every meal. I give parents a long list of options of easy to prepare healthy meals that have vegetables on them. And you know, if they try them out over and over again, and maybe in the beginning it's uh, fried rice. With some rice, it's brown rice, but some vegetables, and over time they increase the vegetables. In the end, it's like only a quarter of rice and three quarters vegetables. So you just have to work. It is hard work for the parents, mm. but the ones who are committed will definitely get there. Can I ask a question? You said habit. Can I go one step further? What about addiction? You've got the caseomorphins, the gliomorphins. How do you break that? Absolutely. It is an addiction. And I do explain that to parents and the children, how the casein in milk and the gluten, gluten in wheat, barley and rye, actually are caseomorphine and gluteomorphine. So they have the same effect on our bodies as morphine would have. Not quite as mm. powerful, mm. but same effect. They attach to the same receptors in the brain and in our body as morphine would. So they cause constipation. A lot of these kids will be constipated. Some have overflow diarrhea, so the parents aren't aware of the fact that they're constipated. They, may, they give them this hit of just like taking a drug. So it really, truly is their drug of choice, the, the bread and cheese. Yeah. And you have to stop it. You know, you just have to replace the gluten with non-gluten alternatives in the beginning that look similar so the child doesn't quite get it. And the dairy was non-dairy alternatives. And unfortunately, it's very easy nowadays to do that. Mm. You get all kinds of healthy nut-based cheeses that still taste like cheese, more or less, <laughs> but don't give you that hit. Yeah. And gluten-free breads that are hopefully made from whole grains that also taste relatively okay, don't give you the hit. So the, for the, you know, at least the sensory part of the addiction is, is still there. Yeah. <laughs> the kids yeah. don't have uh, to go, uh, get over that one hurdle. Of the, one of the best things I've seen mm. is one of the re-emergence of the, the artisan bakeries. Yes. You yes. know, it's like, thank God they're yeah. trying to take care <laughs> of the bread. <laughs> They're so coming sorry. from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> you never lost it, Alicia. You were uh, going to. Well, make I was going to say one of the other things that we want to do when we focus on kids is really um, 
get them where their motivation is at, right? Because it may be our motivation as parents to reduce the inflammation, get their asthma yeah. under control, get them off the medications. But is that the kid's motivation? Uh, Not necessarily. The kid's motivation may be to, you know, be the fastest player on the soccer field, right? Or to memorize their drama lines mm. more easily. Right or memorize your violin piece more easily. So what we want to do is really figure out what that motivating factor is going to be for that child and let them know, hey, look, if you can get in, let's start with five servings of fruits and vegetables, then let's work up to nine servings of fruits and vegetables. I guarantee you, you can be able to run faster down that soccer field. Right. Or I guarantee you, it's going to be easier for you to remember you know, your violin piece. Right. And then when we're introducing, you know, how Helen said, make it fun. Right. When we're introducing vegetables, increased vegetables, it doesn't have to be just a boring plate of steamed vegetables. Add seasonings, add spices. Yeah. But we can also think creatively. We can juice our vegetables and make it into a really fun gelatin, a jello, right, with grass-fed gelatin. Make them into popsicles. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can get in those nine surveys and vegetables if we think creatively. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to know that you can't do that if you're only having vegetables at dinner, right? <laughs> I mean, you need to have vegetables throughout the day, yeah, right? Breakfast, right. lunch, and dinner. I mean, vegetables are not just a dinner food. So. <laughs> but it also takes creative practitioners like yourselves yes. to have this access to explore other avenues of just instead of the standard 5-2 veg and that sort of thing. So thank you guys for joining us today on stage. I wish we had more time because I've got seven more questions just now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Is that right? Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Layla Masson, Dr. Lisa Song and Helen Patteron for joining us today. You can find all the videos from the FX Medicine Live stage at the 6th Bioceuticals Research Symposium in Melbourne by going to the FX Medicine website and clicking on Industry Insights under the Community tab.